Hey, what's up, beautiful souls? Chad Hafler here with my brothers Eric Dixon and Jeremy Duncan, and we are Lights at the Roundtable. In this podcast, we're going to discuss a wide variety of things, ranging from spirituality and the metaphysics of reality to the psychological struggles that we face on a daily basis. So, we hope you enjoy. We're grateful you're here, and welcome to the Roundtable. Hey, what's up, beautiful souls? Chad Hafler here with my brother Eric Dixon and Jeremy Duncan coming to you for very first episode, first episode of Lights at the Roundtable. Thank you so much for being here and so grateful to have this opportunity to create and create a space for dialogue with these two beautiful men. Fellas, how are you? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me, Chad. Absolutely, brother. Man, grateful to be here. Grateful to be speaking to you guys. Um, I really appreciate this opportunity. I know you're going to learn a lot from this podcast and uh, just grateful to be here. So thank you for listening. Stay tuned. Just getting started. Absolutely. Jeremy, how are you, brother? Fantastic. Same. Excited. It's an exciting time. Yeah, it is. Very exciting time. How was your day, Eric? Dude, it was was great. Um, One of the things on my day-to-day was uh, preparing for this podcast and no matter how much you prepare, things are just always going to go, especially when it's live and things just kind of go out the door. But day was great. Um, got up and, you know, this is this is kind of who I am. Um, I got up. I believe in going 110 percent every day, um, doing your thing, whatever that may be. So got up today. I was well rested, felt good, got up early, got my exercise in. Um, then I was ready to start the day. So that started about seven o'clock and went to work. Um, I lease apartments for work and I get to make an impact by providing people with a, uh, with a home to create memories in. So uh, I got to do that for eight hours today, which was beautiful. Came home, got to settle down uh, before we came over to Chad's house. And uh, got to sit down for this podcast, so I got a chance to settle, take a deep breath, gather my thoughts, write down what I wanted to get across tonight, and um, man, my plan went beautifully, and I think discipline equals freedom, and in order today to have the day that I wanted to have, I had to be disciplined, and that's why my day was so good today, man. How was yours? It was pretty good, man. I like how you say... I get to do things instead of I have to do things. I I think that's a huge shift in verbiage that really changes the way you perceive things. I I like that a lot. Thank you. Uh, My day was good, man. Um, This week's been a good week for me. Uh, Really gotten back on the horse with my own practices and um, just feeling the energy. Been doing some chakra work and um, some meditation, some running, and I feel great. Still riding a high, I got to teach breathing and meditation at my work, and I work for a court system, so that's really huge for not only me, but I think it's a huge step for the collective. If court systems are ushering in breathing and meditation, I think that's a really beautiful sign for the future and the collective healing. So it was a good day, man, really good day. Plus, finally. Finally creating a podcast. We've been talking about it for a while, planting the seed. And then in comes Jeremy, man. That's right. So Eric and I have been talking about doing this podcast for probably six months. 
and neither of us are really tech savvy. So um, I'm not tech savvy either. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. So hey, the guy don't, brings don't a mic and a laptop and has all these editing tools on his laptop. I have a base knowledge. Hey, I love your modesty. <laughs> I love your modesty. So, so that means we're really illiterate. <laughs> Technologically, <laughs> if you have a base knowledge, because half the shit you're talking about is like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I'm down for that. <laughs> um, but, man, super grateful on, on a serious note, super grateful for Jeremy. Um, Jeremy and I reconnected. We went to school together and reconnected via Facebook. And, uh, you know, everybody despises Facebook and talks shit about Facebook, but it, it is a really powerful tool to connect and a really powerful tool if you use it properly to share knowledge and share love and share positivity if, if you so choose. So reconnecting with Jeremy coming back into our life and joining the men's group that we're a part of lights at the round table men's group. Um, he said, Hey, what would you guys think about doing a podcast for this men's group? And it was like, aha. <laughs> aha. So Jeremy, thank you, brother. No problem. How was your day, man? It was good. Uh, you know, a little bit of sleep, work strange hours, but, uh, got done early. So yeah. Not disappointed in that. Went home. Brittany tried to get me to take a nap, but I'm not a middle of the day nap person. Right. Kids at home all day, one homeschooling. So right. How you can't you sleep, sleep? <laughs> with a two-year-old, with a three-year-old, and a seven-year-old running around the house. So uh, no sleep, but I'm good, man. Uh, like I was telling Eric, it's actually weird. I had somebody, I think you were upstairs, thank me today. So it was just you know, as I'm about to change careers and go back to school at. 34 to have somebody come up and be like as eric said kind of a backhanded compliment but to say i bet you never thought your job would be so important to the american people right and but then she did so i she said i just want to thank you so i mean she did come back and say thank you but you know it was it was just kind of an eye-opener for the day that some people are paying attention they do understand the complexity of the situation that everybody finds themselves in today so right but it was good i mean it's good to hear brother i'm excited I used to always tell my brain I'll sleep when I'm dead. Right. <laughs> that was my mentality in high school. Right. <laughs> Maybe a little bit after that, but not Yeah, anymore. it takes its toll yeah. when you're in your 30s, huh? Yeah. <laughs> a couple of kids. It's like, shit, okay, I don't know when I'm going to sleep, but I sure need it. I don't know. Brittany does it work in thirds. Yeah. Or any nurse does it work in thirds. Yeah. When I got out of the military, man, I, I worked third shift for probably, oh, shit, six years. Dude, when Kayla and I first got together, I worked third shift. That's different. I'm yeah. not built. It's a, I don't think any of us are. No. We're not. That's a nocturnal life. But Brittany thrives in it. Yeah. I, I guess I guess some people are. I, I, I did well with it, but it still it still takes its toll on you. Fuck yeah. It yeah. still takes its toll on you. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, but you get used to it. You do. Yeah. You do. Let me know when that happens because I'm sure it's not <laughs> used to it yet. It's been three months, two and a half months now. Still, it hasn't really been that long, huh? Yeah, Dude, that's almost long. even even like the in between of the night and day too. Like that's yeah, oh, that's almost even. Though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like that that's is, like because that's, that's yeah. It's so not a typical eleven to seven. What is your hours? I wake up at about two two thirty if I'm really tired, right. and I get to the warehouse at about three every morning. Damn, that is. So I do like three to ten or eleven. So it's that weird chunk, I guess. Yeah, that's like that's day hard, and night shift. Yeah, 
Yeah, that, that's definitely goofy. Bro, props to you. Props. I feel beat down most days. <laughs> yeah. I have my days. If I'm tired enough. See, the, the beautiful thing about days like last night is normally when I don't have a podcast, right. I'll crash at like five or six o'clock. So yeah. I get a full eight hours when I'm usually functioning on five or six. So. Right. And eventually it evens out. But Well, that makes me even more grateful that you're here, man. Mm-hmm. Like I was going to miss it. Right. I appreciate it, brother. So, um, Eric, man, why don't you tell... So this episode, basically what we're going to talk about, we're going to give ourselves a little bit of time to introduce ourselves, a little bit of backstory for you listeners to get to know us, get to understand where we come from, where we've been, and a little bit of our life experience. So, Eric, would you like to tell the people? I would fucking love to. Well, let's, let's hear it, brother. So today we are here. Um, I've reached 35 years on this planet, definitely not years old. This is the youngest that I've ever felt. So I'm definitely going to be conscious about how I say that, um, made it. This is the youngest I've ever felt. This is the healthiest I've ever felt. This is the most alive I've ever felt. And today is the day. Um, but to give you a little story about me, um, Married. I've been married now for just a little over a year. Uh, My beautiful wife, her name is Kayla. We've been together now for seven years. I thought it was eight, giving myself an extra year. But uh, she corrected me, it's been seven. So um, numbers don't really matter. I think it's all about what happens in between. So I think that sometimes that's why I don't get times the best. But I know exactly what the meaning is between that dash. So um, so we've been together a total of seven years. What is my story? Why are you listening to me today? Um, I like to think of it as a before and after. So uh, a before I reach this, I like to connect with people. So this in, in enlightened point, um, which is never an end goal. It's just a process. And you just got to enjoy the process along the way. So one of the major things that happened, there were a lot of changes and I'm excited for this podcast because we get to talk about all those, all the times, all the issues, all the fun stuff, everything. But to give you just a turning point in my life was when I decided for whatever reason to quit alcohol. I still have the occasional drink, but for the most part, I cut alcohol out of my life. Alcohol was a big reason for my ego before my enlightened period. And alcohol is no longer a part of that period, what we call today. So that's just a changing point for me. A lot of things changed as far as who I was, the character I was building, and the story that I was telling myself every day when alcohol was cut out of my life. So what what do I believe in? Um, I believe in giving 110% every day. Um, I believe in giving that 110%. It doesn't mean that you're going nonstop. doesn't mean that you're grinding. doesn't mean that you're, you know, winding yourself down. It means that you're stopping. It means that you are taking care of yourself. It means that you are doing the things necessary in order to be your best self, which includes rest, which includes self-love. 
part of the enlightened period, I was just kind of a regular guy, a regular guy with a lot of specialties. But what happened was, is I realized that I could love myself too. And when I experienced unconditional self-love, I've never felt anything like that. And life has never been the same since. I'm so excited to unpack all that because what you don't know is how much that actually went into about whatever, however many minutes that was. It is, and I heard, I heard this from you, I think last week or something like this, but it hasn't been an overnight thought, but it has been an overnight decision to go from whatever I was to whatever I am right now. Yeah. I've been thinking about it for a long, long time. That's the easy part. That is the easy part. <laughs> it's easy to think about shit. <laughs> that is the easy part. <clears throat> easy, hard. It's Absolutely. again, it's before, it's after. It's, yeah. But it was my decision. I started to realize that. I started that I had a say in this. I started to realize that I could live the life that I had and love the people around me unconditionally. I didn't have to go off a beaten path. I didn't have to steer off a wrong direction. I didn't have to do any of that. I could just be exactly who I needed to be right then and there. It sounds easy, but it's not. It's hard. There's a lot of things that go into that, a lot of sacrifices. But today, I would describe myself as self-aware, driven, alive, and excited. Back then, I would say I was egotistical, lackadaisical, just kind of drifting, very scared, judgmental, and all around just lost. I felt like I was on a boat, just kind of traveling in the sea, not really sure where things were going, just kind of drifting, which life isn't much different these days. The, you know, things still happen, instances still occur, but I feel like I have my hand on the wheel now. I feel like I have my sail up. I feel like I have a sail that catches wind and it can, can endure the seas to come. Life storms. Beautifully said. My greatest strength today, I've realized, was also something that was pointed out as a weakness as a child, which is my voice. When I was a kid, I learned that using my voice was a consequence for things that some people didn't like. But today I realize it's something for myself who I love. And when I voice it, I feel that unconditional love. My main goals today, be a good human, work hard and stay consistent. I got my strength from the quiet as a kid. Today, I have the decision to get my strength from my voice and make it as loud as I decide it to be. I grew up in Richmond, Indiana. I was born and raised there until about five. My family, my mom, my dad, my sister, we moved to Lebanon, Ohio um, when I was five. My dad started a business, he did auto upholstery. So that left me, my sister, and my mom at the house while my dad worked. He owned his own business, so that was good. We saw him a lot. He was there. It was great. Then 
graduated from high school at Lebanon High. Uh, we all went to high school together, so we share that as a commonality. Tried college a couple times, wasn't really right for me. Graduated, came back home, got a career, or what I thought was a career. <laughs> uh, those we'll call the, the ego days. I would say that was probably like 22 to 27. In about 27, another big point in my life happened, which caused a lot of trauma, which today I understand exactly what it was, but at the time I didn't understand it at all. <clears throat> so there was a time when I didn't want to exist in life. And when most would say rock bottom was hit, but then someone came along. And with that someone, I also found myself. Her name's Kayla, I mentioned her earlier. That's my wife. Again, we've been together for seven years and she is a big part of my transformation. I know that I'm doing the work, but you gotta lean on your team as well. And she's a fucking awesome teammate. I listen to a lot of motivational speakers uh, online, I choose to ingest positive energy uh, from from the time I get up to the time I go to sleep. One of my favorites, and you'll hear many of them, is Jordan Peterson. And Jordan Peterson has a little um, you know story that he tells about Peter Pan. And I like this story because I relate to it. And this is a big part of my journey. What it makes me think about is, is the, the world that I lived in when I was in high school, which was high school. It was football, it was girls, it was alcohol, it was partying, it was drugs, it was all of it. And I was the man in a world that didn't exist. <laughs> you always had the nicest cars. Like, man, I'm trying to ride to school with Dixon. Always had the nicest Always cars. trying to ride to school with her. Always had the nicest cars. So, you know, I, I find motivational speakers very relatable to life and very transformational. Jordan Peterson is one, and that's a story that I that I relate with. <clears throat> because now I'm I am the main character in a story that is real in a world that is reality for me and i don't have to be the man in i can just love and love myself and others will be happy but the most important thing is that i'll be happy and then everything else is just a direct result one of the things that i truly believe in is it's not about what you do it's about how you do it this is something that i work on every day it's something that makes me think of my father-in-law, Doug Sturgeon, because from a young age, I learned that, you know, you have to have all this money and all this flashy stuff, and you have to have this prestigious, prestigious position and a role at a company, and you have to have this by that, and it's just not true. It's just stress. And it's not about what you do. It's about how you do it. It's not about what you do during your day. It's about how you do it. How do you spend those 24 hours? Because truthfully, that's all we really have. And some of us don't even have that. 
I don't know how many 24 hour increments I've lived. There's been a lot of them, but I do know that this 24 hours that I've lived today has been pretty fucking good. And I can't wait to tell you the rest of the story. Thank you for listening. That's me. Eric, thank you so much for sharing your story. Can't wait to dive into more of that because knowing you, I know that is a very surface layer of who you are and uh, what you've overcome. Uh, you've been a true inspiration to me in my life. Uh, Jeremy, you wanna? No, I'm gonna let you go first because a lot of what I have to say is gonna tie, I think, all of this together and why I wanted to do this and why it was, you know, that push of me to to ask you if you wanted to do a podcast. But I am, you know, since you guys want to call me the tech one, I am going to uh, piggyback on something that he said really quick. And that's about his voice. And uh, me and Eric were never really friends in high school. We weren't very close. Um, I knew who he was, but I never really knew anything about him. So everything that you guys learn, I'm going to learn at the same time. However, I have had the privilege to learn a little bit about his voice because those of you who don't follow him on Facebook immediately should. Uh, He's going to be very modest about it and he didn't touch on it at all, but he shares a lot of very powerful uh, speeches and a lot of inner thoughts that run through his mind when he does go on his morning runs and, and part of his routine that I think a lot of people can benefit from. And initially when we started this podcast, I think I already told you, maybe not, uh, but I did feel a little bit of guilt just being like, these guys already have a foundation built. They're already sharing a message. I'm just now trying to figure out what the fuck my message is (laughs) and like what kind of path I want to carve out. It wasn't until recently that I decided there were a lot of things in my life that needed to change. But on that note, I'll let Chad share his story, but I just follow Eric. Appreciate you. Oh, yeah, no absolutely. Nice plug. He is quite listens to motivational uh, videos and makes them as well for the people in his life and, and his followers on social media. Very powerful shit, brother. So a bit about me. Um, grew up Lebanon, Morrow area, five years old. Um, my father walked out on us, me and my brother and my mom. And uh, so I, I stepped into the man role in the house and um, created a lot of perfectionism, come to find out, leave, having my dad leave the picture. Um, it created a sense of perfectionism in the, in the sense that I had to, or I felt that I had to be perfect, or I had to uh, be the best at everything because if I was the best and I was perfect, then people wouldn't leave my life. And, and I, have, I didn't discover that until much later in life. And um, but yeah, so growing up, um, a few years after that, I had a wonderful man step into my mother's life that eventually adopted my brother and I and, and became my father and who I considered my father. So fast forward, going through high school, uh, September 11th happened when I was a sophomore in high school. We, Jeremy and I were sophomores, you were a junior. And I remember that day vividly because that was the day I decided to join the Marine Corps. You know, I was filled with that ignorant hatred and uh, all that good stuff, that motivational stuff that the, the military gets, it's especially Marines, you know, they're extra egocentric. And uh, 
you know, the few and the proud, you know, they feed into the ego and the program is very strong. So I enlisted in the, the Marine Corps right out of high school, actually chipped a bone in my shoulder before I went to boot camp and was medically separated from the delayed entry program. So at 18, I get medically separated and it's like, oh shit. Well, I partied in high school. I partied hard because I was getting ready to go <laughs> to the Marine Corps. So now I'm like, oh shit, I don't have the grades to get into a good college. You know, I didn't even think about college. So it's like, what the hell are you going to do? A couple months later, my girlfriend at the time, my high school sweetheart, hey, we're having a kid. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> wow. Okay. Life just took a wicked turn for, uh, trying to figure out what the hell you're going to do with yourself. So uh, speaking of working third shifts, started working a factory job, went to Sinclair uh, during the day and got my associates in psychology. Psychology is something that's always intrigued me. I felt like I've always had a good sense of, of reading people and situations. And so I studied psychology and then right towards the end of my um, two year degree, the Marine Corps recruiter called me up out of nowhere. It was like, hey, Chad Hayfler, how do you feel about going back into the Marine Corps? It's like, hell yeah. <laughs> Give me a little bit. Let me finish my degree out. Absolutely. So I um, had to plan a little differently with a child, but ended up going into the Marine Corps. was an engineer in the Marine Corps. I uh, spent 12 years in the Marine Corps, and most of that was reserve duty. So when I was on the civilian side of my reserve time, I got into law enforcement because for the simple mind that I was, I was naturally taking a step from the military to law enforcement. It's kind of a, a natural transition of, of positions, if you will, from yeah. the military to the civilian side. So went through the police academy, graduated at the top of my class, outstanding honor cadet, and couldn't get a job for shit because when I was 18, I had an assault charge. I was in high school, it was a high school fight. <laughs> and, and so kids if you're listening <laughs> your youth does matter these decisions <laughs> will come back to haunt you but anyways it ended up being a blessing so I got a job in a little podunk town Mainville and I worked there for five years and uh, it wasn't really what I expected um, I started to see through it started to see through the money grab of it Actually, one year I was reprimanded pretty good for only writing three tickets in the whole year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was called lazy. I was called unmotivated um, by somebody that I did not think very highly of that sat in the office and watched movies on her ship. So that was a hard pill for me to swallow. Um, so fast forward towards the end of that five years. Um, tragedy struck and when tragedy struck just a little bit of a backstory of where i was uh, on a deeper level i was an atheist i didn't believe in anything in my time in service uh, when i went overseas my dad used to always tell me dad or chad you need to you need to find god you need to find greater you need to start praying you're getting ready to go to combat zone i was always like um ah, you know if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen that type of thing i'll get buried and lights out no more. I don't have to worry about it. So what's the big deal? Um, well, made it through, thankfully, brought everybody home, thankfully, and uh, get a, get a, 
visit at work one day is my brother. And it is a day that is ingrained in my memory, like most people that, that experience trauma, it's very vivid. But he came to my work and said, Chad, dad's gone. And I was like, where the fuck did he go? <laughs> you know, what, what do you mean he's gone? I said, he, he's gone. He, he was killed this morning and he was killed in an auto accident. And it's just, uh, it crumbled me emotionally, spiritually, even though I didn't know it at the time. Uh, it just broke me because this was a man that adopted my brother and I and um, taught me everything I knew about life. And I took his life and, and being part of my life for granted. Like most young people do, like, especially once you get out on your own, it's like, okay, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with my parents because I just spent 18 years with you. You know, I'm trying, I'm trying to create my own life. So, um, <clears throat> had a lot of um, guilt for not spending more time, a lot of questions, a lot of just questions like, why, what the hell? Like, it really left me questioning God. It's like, well, I didn't believe in God before this. I'm definitely not gonna believe now, you know, what the fuck is this all about? And um, shortly thereafter, physically, I broke down. I had to have back surgery the following year. So looking back, my whole foundation of who I was playing, if you will, the life before, if we want to do before and after, um, the life before my ego driven programmed Marine Corps motivated, don't give a shit about anything or anyone except myself. If you're complaining, you're not working hard enough, suck it up. That mentality that men are ingrained with for the most part in our society that that's who I was and my father's death and then my back surgery it just left me I couldn't move I couldn't do the physical shit that I that made me happy so it just left me in my mind it's like so at that point um, I had somebody come into my life through my daughter's mother that was a medium and I never believed in mediumship or spirits or obviously as an atheist, I didn't, but my daughter's mother approached me one day and said her, she started a new job and her boss at her work came to her on her second day, pulled her in the office and said, Hey, I need to tell you something. And being a medium, she said, told April, which is my daughter's mother, the story of how my dad died and she told April a lot of really personal things such as my dad's nickname for my daughter he used to call her his a girl because her name's Aubrey April sharing this stuff with me and I'm just like I could feel my programming just like shutting down like pro <laughs> your analytical mind cannot dismiss this as much as you want to try because this lady doesn't even know who we are and she's describing these things that only they're intimate details to just my family. So that really got me exploring, not only just questioning, but now I'm researching and, and reading different scriptures and looking at different religions and, and starting to, to really try to figure out what the fuck I'm going to believe now, because <laughs> what, I'm left, what I believed <laughs> before was not, I wasn't able to believe it anymore. So... <clears throat> Shortly after my back surgery, as I'm doing this exploring, uh, a good buddy of ours, James, 
Pasator, lives in Costa Rica, and he brought this opportunity to me to join a program called Awaken the Warrior Spirit Within. And he had asked me several years before, and I didn't even respond to him because I was still in the Marine Corps at the time. I'm like, bro, I'm not trying to do this hippie shit. Like he lives organically on his farm in Costa Rica. Super beautiful man. I'm super grateful. He's a mentor and a brother today. But where I was then, I was like, man, no, sorry, bro. I knew you in high school, but that's about as far as, as far as it went, you know? So he found me at the perfect time where I was questioning and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And what made me do it was I saw another buddy of ours, John Walton, posted a video and said, I'm doing this warrior, waking the warrior within. And he gave his reasons. And it was like me talking. If I shut my eyes and could auto-tune the voice to, to make it my voice, it was me talking. Talking about giving life 80%, not competing with yourself, but competing with others and being okay with, you know, being in the middle of the pack or towards the top of the pack. Um, and I'm like, holy fuck, that's me talking. So I decided to do the program and I, I made my video of why I wanted to join the program. And I remember that day I just cried and I cried and I cried and I didn't even know why. I didn't know why I was crying. I shared it with Brittany, my fiance, and it was such an emotional release. So going into the program, I found a new sense of purpose. I was able to step into somewhat of a leadership role within the group of, you know, trying to help people like you do in the service, you know, lift people up of brotherhood. And so I started learning all these things. And after the program, I was like, shit, now what? The program's over. What do I do? And meditation was something that had always piqued my interest. But again, I never pulled the trigger. Like, again, easy to think about. Mm -hmm. Actually doing is another whole other story. So Christmas rolls around that year. And my fiance, Brittany, what a beautiful soul she is. We, have, we had an empty room in our basement that we were going to make a wine cellar for her when we bought our new house. And her Christmas present to me was a meditation room. So instead of a wine cellar, she put a bunch of candles, some, some Buddha statues, some chakra um, stuff in there and just made this beautiful, beautiful space for me to meditate. So now it's like, now you have to. <laughs> now, <laughs> all right, checkmate, bitch. Get, sit your ass down and figure out what your next step is. So um, fast forward to that. I start getting into meditation. And so I started doing gratitude videos. That was where I started. This was about three years ago with my videos. And it started off as a seven-day challenge. And I'm going to make a gratitude video for every day this week. And got to the seventh day and man, I felt so fucking good about life. Things were starting to flow. My relationships were improving. I wasn't pessimistic. I wasn't angry. I wasn't negative. I wasn't closed off as much. I still was a little bit. I still have, still have work to do. But um, so I started making gratitude videos. I did gratitude videos for about six months. And uh, the change that was occurring in my life was unfucking believable People, opportunities, happenings, just everything just started to flip from everything's happening to me as all these to all these beautiful things happening for me. And as a pessimistic atheist, 
not a lot of shit happens for you. <laughs> it's like, God damn it. We got a shitty room. We got, you know, every, anything and everything you could bitch about. That was me. And so what really set it off was Brittany and I took a trip to Naples, Florida, and we get to the airport and to get our rental car in Florida. And the gentleman behind the counter is like, what do you want to drive? I'm like, what do you mean? Like I paid for a four door regular car, just some cheap to I just need wheels. He said, how would you feel about driving a Range Rover Sport? I look at Brittany, I'm like, it, she knows me. That's my like retirement. It was my retirement dream car. Like, when I'm old, I want to cruise in a Range Rover Sport because they're classy and they're, they're sharp to me. And I'm like, you know, that's awesome that you offered that, but I'm not really trying to spend that money. He's like, I can actually save you $79. I'm like, holy shit. Wow. So I start to see like these gratitude videos really fucking opened up this opportunity. So I'm like blown away, like pretty holy shit. The whole time we're driving to the hotel, I'm like in La La Land, like I cannot believe this is fucking happening. Usually I'm the one bitching, like they don't have any cars left. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And we, we all know those pessimistic people. And um, so we get to the hotel and we go to check in and the clerk like pulls us aside. There's an older couple checking in next to us, like pulls us aside and he's like, we upgraded your guys' room to a suite on the 10th floor overlooking the beach. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I look at Brittany, my jaw, if it could detach, it would have been on the fucking floor because it's like, is this, is this really happening? Is this really happening? So we go up there and sure enough, it's this big ass suite that's two rooms. It's got uh, two private balconies that, that overlooks the ocean. And it was just, that really concreted my path to working on myself and becoming self-aware because I got to see for the first time the work being returned to me from the universe and from God or whatever you want to call greater powers, whatever you call it in your life, the universe was returning all the positive and the gratitude that I was putting out into this world. So it was Absolutely. a really, really beautiful thing. And uh, so here we are sitting, doing our first podcast, uh, about three years into making videos. I, not not gratitude videos anymore. Now I share a lot of metaphysical stuff. I have a YouTube channel, Envisioning Hope. If you're interested, check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, nothing fancy, nothing to sell. That yeah, is how you plug. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's um, it's been something that I, I fought sharing and fought plugging for so long because I know my ego is strong. I know my ego is strong. So I, I try to keep it in balance with my, with my spirit. So it feels kind of dirty, like, Hey, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hey, check my YouTube channel out. So that's been an ego battle for me, which, you know, I'm, I'm starting to let go of that because I, th I think people need to hear these messages and I don't necessarily have anything to sell other than self-love and, and understanding within your own life. I don't need anything from my listeners. I don't need anything from anybody just to love yourself and to um, really just become aware of yourself because when you become aware of yourself you start to self-heal and you start to self-love the whole collective feels it so by you doing the work and by eric doing the work and by jeremy doing the work we are all going to feel that that collective energy rising into a more positive and pure place of, of pure intention and unconditional love like Eric spoke about. So 
yeah, check out the YouTube channel. Uh, also run a men's group that Jeremy and Eric are a part of. Lights at the Round Table started that a little bit before all this chaos in the world happened. Uh, took a little bit of a, a pause because you know I was thrown off center and wasn't in the space to to hold space for something like that. But back on track, had a couple meetings, had a really beautiful out um, outreach and. Uh, great input from the people in the group. So, yeah, that's that's where we're at. And here we are in the first episode. So, thank you guys for listening to my little spiel. And much like Eric, there's there's much more to it, but you're just getting started, right, brother? That's the best part, man. Let's thank you for started. sharing. Absolutely, brother. Yeah, Absolutely. I, even, I learned a thing or two as well, man. That was awesome. Yeah. That was beautiful. Thank you, man. Thank you. Jeremy, brother? See, what neither of these guys will ever tell you is how much they help people. Because I don't know if they're really aware of it. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, that's kind of where my story, I think, really starts. Obviously, there's 34 years worth of, of baggage to unpack. But I don't think that my self-realization journey started until I reached back out to Chad, got introduced to the men's group hooked back up with, you know, Eric and, and the people who are a part of this beautiful thing that Chad started. And, um, we are starting, we are starting. Uh, but ultimately it was, it was Chad, whether he wants to take credit for it or not, at least on my <laughs> end. Um, and the videos that he put out and again, you know, another completely contradicting statement because he's so modest about all of it and he doesn't ask for anything in return. And this is somebody I hadn't spoken to in, 15 years and then to reach back out and say, you know, Hey, I'm interested in trying to start meditating and trying to start doing some of the things that you've already been doing. Do you think you could help out and for him to, I mean, it took maybe 10 minutes to get a response mm -hmm. and it was no kind of inconvenience and no kind of push in any kind of direction. A lot of it was just go spend some time in the dark with yourself and, you know, you got to try to figure everything out on your own, but he was still there to give the initial advice and, I will probably end up being eternally grateful for it. I mean, I already am to an extent, but I'm still here, thankfully. So it will continue, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And um, before all of that, as Eric and Chad both stated, we all went to high school together. I don't particularly think any of us were very close then. No. Um, obviously, I think we all kind of knew who each other was, but it was, I think you guys were a little bit closer than I was. Yeah. I don't know if you guys were extremely close but we more so than i was a few times. there was a couple times ate, ate some mushrooms yep. a lot of pot together gotten a few of those fights yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah we rode to school together too uh for those of you who don't know but all right that's it speaking of fights this will be this will be at first this is kind of where mine and chad's journey started i don't know how vividly he remembers it but i know i do <laughs> i was pretty much scared shitless it oh, would man. have been the first fight I was ever going to be in. Do you remember? Dude, I was there. I, I don't know. Oh, shit. I was like, oh, fuck, this is new for me, too. Yes. I know that there were about 50 people at the baseball fields, and if my brother hadn't stopped us, God only knows what would have happened because I had never been in a fight before. Um, but back to the wonderful egotistical side of especially young high school men, right. I wasn't going to back down. Right. Uh, but, you know, after high school, like Chad and Eric both, I didn't really feel like college was the right path immediately. Um, I had a friend 
who lived in my neighborhood in Middletown, move out to California, graduated early, had been there for a couple of months, said he was coming home and was like, hey, come move to California with me. So with 500 bucks and a couple of duffel bags worth of clothes, I picked up and moved to California at 18 and uh, spent about a year out there. Didn't really do anything with it. Uh, probably gave up on my dream a little bit too too easily, but you know, you get shut down. You're too young. You're too this. You're too that. Everybody keep telling me to come back and play a 17 or 18 year old kid in a TV show when I was 26 and didn't make any sense to me. So right. uh, like Chad, I joined the military. I spent four years in the Navy. Uh, it was a little bit of not so much ego for me. It was a little more of a, a selfish journey just to have them essentially pay for college because I knew eventually I was going to have to go. That was the way of life. It was, you know, go to high school, graduate, go to college, get a career, you know, line up ABC. And that was, that was my thought process. I couldn't afford to go to college. Um, you know, I didn't have great grades. I w wasn't getting any scholarships, didn't play any sports. So it was military. Um, spent four years as a cook in the military and that was where I thought I found my passion to cook. Spent a lot of time after the military jumping around from job to job, trying to absorb as much as I could about this, you know, industry every 15 year old kid probably starts in and trying to develop that passion and that talent. And I got a lot of great opportunities with a lot of amazing people, learned a lot of stuff. Um, had my first daughter with my ex-wife in Virginia. Uh, we separated. She actually told me if I stayed in the military, she would divorce me. Nice. Lo and behold, I got out and went from the 56000 a year I made my last year in the military at 24 to making $10 an hour in a kitchen. So I think a lot of you know the issues stemmed from uh, the financial hardships that we went through. But I'm sure we'll dive into a lot more of our issues later. Absolutely. Uh, but essentially, it was a, a dark, scary, hard time. And then uh, I came back home, spent about three months here, I believe, um, missed my daughter too much. Went back to Virginia, was homeless for about six months, living in my car, sleeping on random people's couches, doing whatever I could until I could find a job and get myself reestablished. Uh, spent a couple more years down there before it just wasn't working. I uh, spent most of my life kind of keeping people at arm's length. I don't think I ever really let anybody in and I'm not sure why. So I just, I had to come back home where my family was. At least I had something mm -hmm. here. And then I uh, got a great opportunity to work with Caesars Entertainment. Joined the casinos, cook, uh, grew with that company pretty quickly. I wanted more opportunity than they had here in Cincinnati. So I transferred out to Nevada where I met my beautiful wife. Uh, her name is Brittany as well. And I think as we dive a little bit deeper into our stories, you guys will be kind of freaked out how much stuff does line up, and right. especially with where me and Chad have ended up being right. back here. So much of our stories are so similar. Uh, but if it wasn't for Brittany, I don't know if I would have ever taken myself off the path of spend a couple of years here, turn tail and run and mm -hmm. never really face the person that I was, the problems mm -hmm. that I was creating, the people I was burning bridges with. I um, mean, we went through some dark times ourselves and it wasn't until I lost her initially that it was, how am I going to fix it? How am I going to better myself? What are my issues? Where do I start building something better? And then luckily she, uh, she took me back 
We transferred to Arizona from there, spent some time just outside of Phoenix, um, reluctantly had to come back home because she already had a son. We had another beautiful daughter and childcare is too fucking much. Yeah. Really. So we just couldn't afford it. Uh, I have, you know, a huge family back here. I have a lot of people who were willing to help and wanted us to come back and they wanted to be a part of my kids' lives and stop seeing just pictures on Facebook. And I'm not great at keeping up any kind of Facebook. So I could go two or three months without posting pictures. And then my family was like, wow, she's grown so much. Right. They had no idea what was going on. So it just was the next logical progression to come back home. And I kind of jumped around again from job to job, trying to get everything figured out. And Brittany got back into nursing school and at that point, it, it put a lot of stuff on the back burner for me, um, you know, which I was more than happy to do while she she finished what she started when she was in college before she had her son. And uh, now that she's graduated, I'm heading back to college at 34, kind of, um, changing careers. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely... It's definitely been a lot of not dealing with the issues that I've internalized for 34 years and just, you know, not asking for help because it's a weakness. It's what we're told for our entire lives. Right. And I spent a lot of time just trying to deal with my shit on my own. Uh, it wasn't until me and Brittany had been together for probably two or three years before I really started to let her into past issues, fears, concerns that I had, things I was trying to deal with. And I can't necessarily speak for her, but I think one of the first big conversations we had where I probably listed out 30 to 40 issues that I was currently dealing with and internalizing and trying to battle on my own that she really realized just how dark of a place I had put myself in. Uh, but luckily, like I said, she decided to stick around. We came back to Ohio and then I got back in touch with Chad and eventually with Eric and I'm still learning from them. I will probably learn from them for a long time and I'm excited by where everything is going to go between the men's group, just the friendship, finally having people in my life who I feel like are stable that I can trust, let my guard down a little bit and stop counting on just myself. We love you, brother. Absolutely. I love you again, man. Just getting started. All right. All of us. Literally for me, I yeah. think. We will continue to learn from you as well, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. You have brought a powerful force to this to this table. That's one of the funniest things for me, man, is that you guys talk a lot about ego and the place that you're at. And I always felt less than, I think. So I think there's still a lot of discomfort in that. I mean, the first time I was over here for the men's group, I told Eric this. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I really told you yet, but I went home and I told my wife and I said, you know, I think this is the first time in 34 fucking years that I've been alive that I've had another grown ass man tell me he loves me. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't family or my brother. Right. And she just started laughing yeah. and she thought it was so funny. But Also powerful. Man. Powerful. It feels very good. It does. Love is, is something we all need more of, especially as men. And I know we've touched on it and talked on it. But as men, we are not only taught through ego and, and through competition and through um, rubbing dirt on it and getting up and, and brushing it off. We are also, it, it reaches a level of toxicity when you, when you are taught these things because you do suppress, you don't share, you don't open up. 
and it creates a horrible, horrible storm with when you're dealing with 30 or 40 issues and you don't feel like you can talk to anybody, Yeah, you know, and, and that was one of my motivations and, um, Eric and I's motivation talking about starting this men's group was recognizing within our own selves that we also needed help, that we also needed other men to share these stories with, to, to let not only us know, because we were sharing these things with each other, but sharing these things with each other made us realize how powerful a, another man's connection can be with you. You know, I, I mean, I was, I was close with my father, um, but I was ego driven then and I shut him out. Like he was, he was an evolved man and he never taught me the shit that I knew, but I knew the rest of the society wasn't like my father. I always thought my father was weird, (laughs) you know, you know, my, my father was a really, actually a really balanced man, but I thought he was weird because he would always try to talk about emotional shit. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, you want to go have a beer for lunch? Yeah, sure. He started talking about life's problems. I'm like, bro, I'm trying to drink a beer and chill the fuck out. (laughs) That's the last thing I want to talk about. But after his death, it's like a lot of my greatest lessons that I've learned from my father came after he died. And just reflecting on my time with him, it's like, bro, you should have been listening for a fucking long time. You know, life would be a lot different for you if you would have listened to your father. So um, I, I did have that male role model, but it was so rare to have that that I shut him out because I thought he was a weirdo. You know, I thought, thought he was always trying to get deep and talk weird about, you know, and he was like that with everybody because he genuinely cared mm-hmm. and he would tell people he loved him and he would hug other men. And it was like, that's a little, you know, <laughs> fucking played pool with Ron man all the time. Yeah. I mean, one of the most beautiful souls you, you, you would ever encounter. And there were so many times that I would go into public and people would come up to me and tell me stories about my father and people that I didn't even know. Yeah. Like, are you Ron's son? Like, yeah like oh he's the most beautiful man like he always asks me how i'm doing he always you know he he never lets me talk bad about anybody when i start to talk bad about my ex and and that's just who my father was and then when he died seeing the people that poured through they had to extend his visitation by hour and a half there were so many people at his visitation and i'm like damn i didn't even know he knew that many people you know what i'm saying so it, it it was a really powerful thing for me and, and it really has led to my coming back to center and finding my feminine energy in, in my life of, of that unconditional love and compassion and empathy that had shut out for so long. So really excited to see where this men's group goes, this podcast, this life with these two beautiful men and just continue to connect with people and continue to offer my wisdom and my knowledge and, and my tools to whoever needs them, whoever cares to have them, just whoever. And, and I think we're on to a very, very powerful thing in a very, very trying time. So Absolutely. I think, I think we're ahead of the curve with this. And on that note, so concerned about how we're going to fill an hour. We are at 58 minutes. Fellas. And we're just getting started, right? We're just getting started. That's right, right? See? Well, just, folks, you want to, uh, before we cut everything off, we want to at least kind of hit on some things that we hope to talk about next couple episodes. Yeah, sure. We spent a that. lot of time talking about ourselves in this one, giving people a little bit of a background. Right. Kind of cue them into where we want to take this thing. So, um, 
first and foremost, we're, we are open. If you guys want to reach out to us with topics you would like to hear from us, we're always open for that. But for the first couple of episodes, we're just going to kind of um, talk about who we are a little more, not just, you know, sit and not riddle surface. off our, yeah, not surface stuff, but kind of dive in and into an authentic space of openness and vulnerability and real, really create a space of vulnerability for the men that we plan on having on this podcast, because I think one of our collective goals is to eventually bring guests on and hear their stories and let them um, be heard because Dixon touched on it. People have lost their voices from toxic ego. You know, our egos, you know, keep us judging ourselves, keep us critiquing ourselves, keep us comparing ourselves to one another. So one of our main goals for this podcast uh, is creating a space for people to share their story because when you get to tell your story and you have people actively listening and actively engaging in, in who you are and creating that space, it can be such a very, very powerful, liberating thing to empower you and to get that forward momentum going for you to create something even greater than you're already doing. And, you know, great is relative. Great can be just getting up and being happy every day. And, and that's great. That is great. You know, happiness is, is the main objective. So talking about these issues, talking about our struggles, talking about uh, anything and everything that we've encountered in this life is really what we aim to do with this podcast and, and just create an authentic space for dialogue with topics ranging from spirituality and, and metaphysics to just life's traumas and how we've dealt with these traumas through meditation and different healing modalities such as Reiki and, and the chakra, working with the chakras and um, another thing is just learning how to meet people where they are as we bring guests on um, learning to, to meet people where they are and walk each other home basically you know and, yeah. and, and link arms and, and create a united front of of humanity, you know, not, not just one, um, race or one, um, political tie, but really just bring everybody together in an authentic space of unconditional love and pure intention. So we hope you guys tune in and we are grateful if you do, and we hope you guys have an absolutely magical day and we will see you very soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. We look forward to where this is going to go. Yes, sir. Can't day one. You guys back. Episode one, just getting started. Yeah. Peace.